Good morning, church. And so to you in Hall 4 and Amstutz Hall and Main Century. Uh, I don't really remember, but two weeks ago, Pastor Chang mentioned that there were two casualties during the pastor's retreat. In fact, there were actually three casualties. One did not even make it for the pastor's retreat. Well, who is that person? Is that an old pastor or a young pastor? I'm not going to keep you in suspense, okay? I am that person. <laughs> so during the entire Holy Week, I developed an, an abscess in my left nostril. And it was very painful. So after the Holy Week, on a Monday, um, what happened to me is that I, I, I checked into the A&E, okay, on Monday night at 11pm. And I got out at about 4am. So the left side of my face was so swollen and my upper lip was so big that I couldn't see my lower lip. So I looked a bit like Bud Simpson, you know, if you know who that is. Huh? The, everything was going well. I was recovering throughout the entire week. And if, because I didn't go for the retreat, which means that I need to anchor the services, okay? Um, I was recovering well, but on Saturday, what happened is this, that there was a plug that was inside the nose. It prevented it for the hole from closing. I have one CM hole inside. That plug came out, despite how tedious and um, meticulous the ENT doctors tried to push it and stuff it right in. So on Saturday, when it came out, it became a bit messy. So my nostril was filled with pass, and uh, you, couldn't, you can't really see the left side of my hole. Uh, okay, just to spare you this uh, the gross image, if you want to see the image, uh, so you can ask Pastor Melvin, he loves to show you. Okay? And he always say, and he said this, holy moly, guacamole, you know, when I show him the photo. <laughs> well, my reason for sharing this with you is thank you, thank you for praying for me, I'm well now, okay? I did a nose job, okay, this seems a bit higher now. <laughs> Okay, enough of this uh, no story. Okay, let's turn to the scriptures for today. Um, it's taken from the Gospel of John, okay, chapter 11, verse 38 to 45. And it says, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead Four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I say this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Lazarus, Sorry, verse 43. When he, say, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. I heard my name being called out from a dreamy and blurry distance. I could not make it out clearly at first, but that voice was a familiar voice and it awakened me from my rest. My eyes were exceptionally heavy. In fact, I think it was sealed tight for long durations. My bones felt stiff like a rock. However, a sudden surge of energy precipitated through my body. And I wasn't sure what to make of it. I was indeed amazed that I was able to stand up. 
despite how foreign I felt with my own body. Light creaked through the little gaps in the fabric that was covering my face. And as I attempted to peel open my eyelid, the piercing light forced my eyes to shut it even tighter than before. Then I heard another command. This time, it was clearer. Unbind him and let him go. It came from that same voice again. Approaching footsteps could be heard as many feet walked toward me. They began to remove something from me. Why am I wrapped up? As the fabric was being rolled off from me, I could see figures standing around me. However, I was unable to identify who they were as I have yet to open my eyes proper. Continuous blinking helped me to refocus and finally, after some prolonged period, I could recognize some faces. Mary, Martha, Jesus! I wasn't sure what had happened to me, but soon all was revealed to me on, my, on our way home. After some rest, I was very excited to share about my raising from death experience with friends and families members who had visited. And about how Jesus took me out of darkness and into the light. Some received my story with great disbelief and skepticism, while most with great joy. Many believed, while some had reason not to believe, and they even tried to kill me. Why did they want to kill me? Why did they want to kill me for being res resurrected by Christ? What have I done? This is my attempt to illustrate Lazarus' awakening moments after his raising from the dead. Now, if I were Lazarus, I would be curious. Why would the people want Lazarus dead? What had Lazarus done to receive death threats? You know, the most obvious and first on the list would be the chief priests and the Pharisees. You know, let us look in the scriptures on to why the Pharisees and the chief priests wanted Lazarus dead. In verse 9 it says, When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from dead. So the chief priests made plans to, made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because, on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The chief priests wanted to put Lazarus to death. Why? Well, simply because many of the Jews were believing in Jesus who had raised Lazarus from the dead. But if the Jews were believing in Jesus, why kill Lazarus instead? Shouldn't they just kill Jesus, who is the source, the healer, and the one who resurrected Lazarus? Well, perhaps Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, was a walking testimony. You know, of Jesus, Lazarus was a liability. Someone who had just experienced being raised from the dead is a powerful testimony. Perhaps Lazarus cannot stop talking you know, about his experience of being raised from the dead as the story depicted earlier. That is a great threat. The more Lazarus roamed the earth, more and more people will believe in Jesus. Lazarus was the evidence of Jesus' power and declaration that Jesus is 
the Son of God. But so what if Jesus had the power and He is the Son of God? Are these sufficient grounds to murder both Lazarus and Jesus? Perhaps there is another reason why the chief priests wanted Jesus dead. You know, in verse 48 it says, If we let Him go on like this, everyone will, be, will believe in Him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Ah, perhaps another reason why the chief priest wanted to kill Lazarus and Jesus was the attempt to safeguard their own security. They, want, they did not want the Pax Romana okay, or Roman peace threatened. They did not want to lose their lives and their land. They preferred the status quo. If more followed Jesus, it meant that lesser people will be following the chief priests. Hence, this meant that the chief priests were no longer in power. They were no longer in control of their society and community. Let us take a moment to consider about our lives. Will believing in Jesus threaten the peace we have in our homes? Have we chosen the status quo to? Are we afraid to break the temporal peace in our home for Jesus to bring permanent peace through, with us through His resurrection? Well, this reasoning to keep the Roman peace sounded very logical. But are there other, other possible reasons? You see, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing! Nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. John, the author, highlighted that Caiaphas did not say this on his own account. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nations. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to kill him. Why Lazarus have to die and why Jesus have to die are very closely connected. What really was Caiaphas' intentions when he declared those words? Although the author, John, considered this a prophecy, Caiaphas may have other motives. He too have, may have plans for the unification of the Israelite nation again, you know, after they were being exiled. Caiaphas may have notion to bring Israel back as an independent nation away from Roman occupation. Did John highlight the plan of God or did John highlight the plan of Caiaphas? Well, perhaps it was both as Caiaphas' plan was aligned with, God, with God's intention because Israel is an independent nation today. So both God and Caiaphas may have different intentions regarding the death of Jesus. However, both were miraculously aligned. God wanted to save the world through Jesus' death on the cross. While Caiaphas wanted to remain in power 
through Jesus' death. You know, one practical lesson that we can learn from this is this. You know, we, we have this tendency to accept prophecy and words of direction only from our friends. And we reject those that we consider as enemies. This would be a classic example to show us that God can use anyone to be His messenger, to be His deliverer, to be His steward. You know, another example would be King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. He was a servant of God employed to punish Judah, as mentioned in Jeremiah 43. Although their intentions may be wrong, but their actions could be aligned with what God had intended. And their words could be an inspiration by God to speak the truth. So why did the chief priests want Lazarus dead? Well, here is a short summary. Perhaps the, it is the Pax Romana, or to maintain Roman peace, or for maybe a future purpose, a political reason to unify Israel. In their view, if Jesus were to continue gaining followers, he may start an uprising that may result in Rome sending troops to Israel to neutralize the revolution. However, you know, many of us fail to understand that Jesus was not beginning a political or military revolution. Jesus was developing a spiritual uprising, a spiritual transformation of the heart and mind to love God and to love people. The resurrection of Christ is an act of love for the people. So why did Lazarus have to die? Perhaps it is part of God's plan before the introduction of Jesus' death and resurrection. There was another person that needed Lazarus dead. That person is Jesus. You know, though an unlikely candidate, he did let Lazarus die. You can find the evidence in verse 6 when he says that, So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. If Lazarus had realized what Jesus had done, what do you think would be on his mind? You stayed two more days? Two more days? It was difficult for me, for my friends to track you down and you actually delayed coming to me on purpose. You let me die on purpose? Why, Jesus? Am I not the one whom you love? And you let me die? Wait a minute. There must be a logical reason. Jesus, you must have your reasons. Did you let me die so that many will experience how you had resurrected me? I remember your disciples sharing. It was for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be, may be glorified through my death. The disciples also told me that my death was for the sake of the disciples so that they may believe. I also record my sister saying this too. It was not only for the disciples, but 
for all those standing around that they too will believe. And my death can be used as a vessel to help many others believe. Then it is my honor to die for God's glory. Then my death is not wasted. It has been useful to help introduce Jesus. If Lazarus did not die, there will be no resurrection. In fact, Lazarus' death was rather similar to Jesus' death. The binding of linen strips and the rolling of the stone. The only great difference would be in Jesus' death, the tomb was empty because Jesus was resurrected permanently. While Lazarus' awakening was only temporal. Lazarus will eventually die again. Perhaps as John the Baptist prepared the path to usher in Jesus' ministry here on earth, Lazarus prepared us for Jesus' death and his eventual resurrection. Lazarus' death and raising from, death, and raising from death not only provided us with a prelude to Jesus' death, it also highlighted Jesus' resurrection. It was also an enlightening, enlightening and educational event for many, and that included Lazarus' sisters. So why did Lazarus have to die? To glorify God, and so that disciples and those standing around, and especially also his sisters, may believe. Hence, Lazarus had to die for his sisters too, Mary and Martha. You know, to understand what Jesus was revealing to Mary and Martha, let us take a look at their story. When Martha went to meet Jesus, she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Some Bible scholars consider Martha's stone as a mild rebuke. Martha went on to hint that Jesus could still do something about the situation. Although she was not that hopeful, it was a distant consideration, a dim hope that Lazarus could still be revived. When Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha went on to recite the standard Old Testament view of the resurrection. However, it was still a distant belief, something that would happen much later in future. She had doubts anything would happen immediately. Perhaps this is caused by the delay of Jesus. Hence, Martha replied, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last days. Martha knew much. She possessed much knowledge. And she probably knew about Jesus raising Jairus' daughter. And in Matthew, that's as shared in Matthew 9. And the widow's son also was also resurrected in Luke 7. But this information did not help her to believe. She did not believe Jesus could resurrect Lazarus. Jesus wanted to help her to understand that He is the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in Him will live 
even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in him will never die. And then Jesus asked Martha, Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the, the world. You know, though her answers sounded correct in every way and even positive, but did she really believe in what she had just said? We'll soon discover. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, by this time there will be, there will be a, bad, a bad odor, for he had been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? The fact that Martha was concerned about the non-essentials, you know, like the smell and not on the important event that's about to take place, that Jesus was about to raise Lazarus to life. This revealed her lack of belief of, what, of who Jesus is and why was Jesus there and why Lazarus had to die. What about us? Do we believe in what we say? Do we believe in the resurrection of Christ? Are our words and actions contradicting one another? Something for us to ponder about. What about Mary's side of the story? See, when, Ma when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. See, though the words spoken by Martha and Mary were similar, however, the actions were different. Mary fell at his feet when he first saw Jesus. Then her tone in her words, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Her words were filled with sadness as she wept right after it. Perhaps Lazarus' death gave Jesus the, the opportunity to educate and correct Martha and deepen both Martha and Mary's faith. And then those around them were also convinced and they believed. The final point of today's sermon is this. Is Lazarus' death a preparation for Jesus himself to prepare for his own impending death? You see, Lazarus' death and resurrection ushered in Jesus' own death and resurrection. However, let us first answer this question. Why then why then did Jesus weep? Why was Jesus troubled? See, when Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And then Jesus wept. 
Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Truly, if Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus to life, why did he weep? Could this be a preparation for Jesus for his own impending death on the cross for all mankind? The Greek word for deeply moved in spirit was used five times okay, in the New Testament. And it was always of Jesus. It may suggest Jesus' anger over sin and death. As Max Anders had indicated, Jesus was going to carry the weight of our sins on his shoulders and he was going to die for it. Was Lazarus' death a preparation for Jesus instead? And Jesus wept because he knew of his own suffering death on the cross and is coming soon. Why was he troubled then? Why was he troubled? You know, in ministry, there's nothing more troubling uh, than to realize your own disciples failing to understand what you are trying to teach them after many years. And they go astray with their own understanding. Perhaps that is what Jesus was feeling. He may be troubled by the lack by the lack of understanding and lack of belief from Martha and even his very own disciples. And we can find some of this evidence in verse six. And it says, So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back. His own disciples were unconscious of Jesus' purpose and ministry on earth. Wow. Was Jesus really afraid of death? If Jesus was to avoid death, it was probably for the, that it was not the right time for him to die. Jesus must be a very patient very patient man. Must be very patient for his disciples. I would have been very upset, okay, by their lack of understanding and belief. But Jesus was troubled. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Okay, I know there are many Thomas here uh, by this name, so I shall say something nice about Thomas. Eh? <laughs> Although Thomas did not understand Jesus' ministry, he had, however, possessed the same gung-ho spirit as Peter. Let us also go that we may die with him. No, that's Chong spirit. Nah? Though Thomas did not fully understand Jesus' ministry, he was willing to follow Jesus. He was willing to go. He was willing to learn. But there, there was another troubling event. Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus. Imagine how Jesus would have felt. You know, he was so close to the end of his ministry on earth and yet his very own disciples did not understand what he was teaching you know, all this time. And one even tried to betray him. What oh, is terrible? 
Perhaps Jesus was deeply troubled by his disciples' unbelief, lack of understanding, lack of faith. Why did Lazarus have to die? It was, uh, it was a time for Jesus to prepare for his own death. A good opportunity to teach his disciples. In summary, why did Jesus have to die? Firstly, it was, it was to glorify God. It was for Martha and Mary. It was for the sake of the disciples. It was for the people standing around. It was a prelude to Jesus' own death on the cross. Do we believe in the resurrection of Christ? Do we believe that He died on the cross for our sins? Do we believe that He is the resurrection and the life? You know, I know that most of you knew all this information by heart, you know, and, but the thing is this, have we placed them into action like Lazarus who was a walking testimony for Jesus? Or perhaps when Jesus said, take away the stone and unbind, and unbind Lazarus, that was covering you know, Lazarus' tomb and body respectively. It was for the bystanders okay, to hear and to get them to be physically involved in Jesus' miracles. It was for them to participate in Jesus' miracle. And perhaps through this involvement, they will believe. Do we have stones that needed to be removed in our lives that are preventing us from believing in Jesus? Do we believe in Jesus' resurrection and miracles? Do we harbor stones of unbelief, ignorance, prejudice, despair, great intelligence that we need to remove them before we could really believe Jesus' miracle and resurrection? Do we have grave clothes that we need to unbind and unwind? Are we clothed with fear, doubt, and discouragement that requires it to be removed before we can understand and believe in Jesus? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, through he, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? You know, as I was praying yesterday, I felt God wanted me to add on another portion into this sermon. You know, we always remember Martha as a busy one, you know, the one who complained about Mary not doing anything. In fact, we have even used her name as a term to signify busyness and failing to wait upon Jesus. Her name becomes synonymous with practicality and and busy hospitality. Let me share with you another aspect of Martha. She was the intelligent one. She knew every political right answer, polit politically right answer. She was knowledgeable and she was industrious. She was a smart one, unlike Mary, who was the quieter of the two. I feel that we have among us here in Armorfield Methodist Church many intelligent personalities. We have many martyrs around us, among us. I think this is what Jesus wants to say. Humble yourself like Mary. Come before Him on bended knees. Jesus 
doesn't want us, doesn't need us, or rather, doesn't require us to use our intelligence to be independent. But Jesus simply wants us to be faithfully believing in Him. And that is all required. And if you are that person that I'm talking about, this is what we're going to do. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to put you to shame. But if we can all just bow down our heads and repeat after me in a very short prayer, including those in church, if we just bow down our heads, quieten ourselves, and just repeat a very short prayer, and I'll be ending soon. Teach us to be humble and meek, dear God. Show us how to be gracious to others with both our thoughts and deeds. Guide us through your Holy Spirit to learn to consider others better than ourselves. Let us learn to give glory back to you and never to treasure it. Grant us generosity to give so that we will never be too rich with pride. Reserve our tongue to edify and restrain our tongue from critical judgment. Empower our hearts to love you and also to love others. We thank you for your glorious humble example to die on the cross for our sins. And may we learn to imitate you throughout our lives. In Jesus' most humble name we pray.